This is the Horse Radio Network. This is Episode 78 of Horsemanship Radio, brought to you by Index Fund Advisors, IFA.com. Horsemanship Radio is a part of the family of the Horse Radio Network, and today we have two icons of the horse world, one from the eventing world, and the other is the First Lady of American Dressage. This is Debbie Laux, and you're listening to the Horsemanship Radio. Thanks for joining us. Horsemanship Radio airs on the 1st and the 15th of the month, and I have my producer, Jen, with me today. Hi, Jen. Hello, Debbie. All recovered from the Radiothon? Mostly recovered from the Radiothon, but we're actually, we're still living the Radiothon a little bit because uh, two of our guests today are um, a part of that, that, you know, I was able to get a wonderful full-length interview with Boyd Martin and also one of my heroes, Debbie McDonald, uh, who is, you know, Brentina, that whole story. She's from uh, Southern California first, and then later moved to one of my favorite places on earth, which is Sun Valley, Idaho. And yeah, and she's just, you know, she's sort of from this era of, you just feel like she's a movie star. She's just in my mind, she's like a movie star and her horses are, you know, just, it's like one of those fantasy rides. I think her fantasy ride was on Brentina. So, you know, when it's her fantasy and everybody else's too, she's been living the dream. So she is just to me, a a giant and and Boyd, oh my gosh, you guys, you have to hear his story in full. You won't hear it all. T- I can't. I couldn't get his story in twenty minutes. But uh, if you go and Google him, put, just put the word Boyd Martin and champion in your <laughs> your you go. Google because there is this documentary they made about him. I was practically crying right before I was going to interview him because I, I I found this and was watching it and just thought this guy. When you look up grit in the dictionary his picture right there he's just the grittiest bravest most out there guy that you'll meet so i'm really excited to share them with you today and jen what's going on in your life what's going on with the horses let's see here a little while back you had another legend of the equestrian world on the show ada gates yeah yes yeah Um, yeah yeah. a a farrier of some renown and a fascinating lady who has really taken the art of farriery and mm. applied some amazing science to it. You said that well. That was very good. Yes, she has. You're absolutely right. And she uses uh, things that go back. It's not just science of today. It's science and the stars. And and you're going to say, what's all that? Well, you have to you have to go back and listen to Ada Gates talk yes. about the mean, uh, the golden mean measurement of hoofs and 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 it's our fingernails and everything. You know, it's just one of those fascinating stuff. Yes. She so, t- she looks at hoof care like it's physics. Yes. It's fascinating stuff. And I only understood about a third of it because I'm I'm just really not good at that whole <laughs> math thing. But, but she made it easy. She she made that little measuring tool. The measuring tool, exactly. She all made, the mystery she, of it. Yep. She made it um what's the word I'm looking for? She took farriery and made it quantifiable. Yes. Um she explains it so beautifully in some of her articles about how it's an art form and it still is and should be, mm-hmm. but your eyes can fool you and what you see, what your eye perceives is, is subjective. And she took, takes so much of it and made it objective. 
That's great. Yes, that, you're exactly right. Yeah, and, I mean, and, it's so fun to look over her shoulder. So, so y- you watched her, and then what did you? Did is this Nigel? This is Nigel. Of yeah. course. everything goes. <laughs> Nigel is like Brad Pitt. Everything circles back to. Uh, is it Brad Pitt that everybody's no, no. six degrees away from? No, it's not. Uh, we related. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, but but no, you've been having trouble with this. I mean, he came with these. He came with bad feet. feet. Yeah. Yes, he did. He came with bad feet. And for years and years and years, I took care of my own horse's feet. I learned the basics of hoof trimming, and I took care of my own horse's feet. But I've okay. also had for years and years and years horses with normal, happy, healthy feet and conformation. So I can maintain that. Mm-hmm. Nigel did not. <laughs> Not so much. <laughs> not so much. Um, so I did what I could with him for the first few months. And I thought, you know, I'm not going to, we can't do much until we get him healthy, right? We've got to get the nutrition in there so we can grow out some foot. So we got that taken care of and called a farrier. And I wanted to have somebody that could help his feet regain what Mother Nature gave them. Because what Good. he was wearing is not what Mother Nature gave him. Um, they were literally pancakes in that if you laid a rasp across the heels of his feet, um, his frog was closer to the ground than the heels of his feet. Yeah. This is not the way it's supposed to work. Ouch. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it was every measurement imaginable. I, I did a lot of surfing around Ada's website and every measurement ima- imaginable was off. Uh, we need to get mm-hmm. professional help here. And I struggled because I had a farrier come out and they basically would say, well, I'm going to trim his feet and they trim his feet. And I said, well, what about this? And what about this? And what about this? Because I knew these things are not healthy in the long term for his feet. He's going to eventually become permanently lame from these things. Mm. Well, they are what they are. We can put shoes on him. It's like, I would love to put shoes on him if he needs them, but let's see if he doesn't need them first. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, so we ended up getting him some good quality, well-fitted hoof boots so that he could be comfortable physically because he was not sore from being so flat-footed. Step mm-hmm. one. Uh, thank you, Cavallo Hoof Boots. That's good. Did thank that. you, Carol. Yeah, thank you, Carol. Thank her. Um, she was. She was a. They were a gem there too because I ordered the wrong size and they were helpful. Oh. Yes, and <laughs> it was, yeah, I was a hot mess. Uh, so several farriers later, I had, uh, <laughs> yeah, I had gone and asked a friend of mine who lives in my neighborhood. Uh, about what farrier she used, because that's how I get references. I just ask other people in the area. Good, yeah. Well, mm-hmm. I found out her one of her horses had a very similar problem when she got the horse, and she said, oh, this gal is wonderful. She really helped my horse with the same problem. So I thought, wow, mm, this is a good yeah. good route to go. And lo and behold, um, this young lady uh, follows these guidelines that Ada has set out oh, with um, the mathematical measurement of the foot. And this is how we get the inside of the foot and the outside of the foot to match one another so the horse can optimize what Mother Nature gave him. Perfect. Oh, my gosh. And she's she listens to you and, she's, and explains what she's, she's doing? She's very or? interactive. She, exp- she watches the horse go, um, both before and after she trims the horse. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, and she does this with both of our horses. Scooter's feet are pretty normal, but she still does the same thing because that way you know you're still on the right track and you haven't lost your way. Right. And um, it's been 12 weeks now. She did. She trimmed him once, and then we waited for five weeks and trimmed him again. And then she just got him trimmed yesterday. Okay. And we, we have added... Um, two thirds of an inch of depth to the concave. Yeah, look at that. That's in, good. In twelve weeks, I am over the 
boom. That's crazy. <laughs> that is, yeah, that is awesome. And so that frog is still, you got a flexible foot. You're not, you don't have shoes on him, right? No, he, he didn't he's still, end up with shoes yet. He's, mm-hmm. he's barefoot because we're going to say, well, let's maximize what Mother Nature gave him. And if he needs yep. shoes, we're going to put him on a good, healthy, balanced foot. We're right. not going to put a shoe on a piece of crap foot. There you go. Because <laughs> we're just going to, you know, continue the crease of crap. Oh, my gosh. You know, everybody should be listening to that. That's a great example. We have um, we have Ada on the Equus Online University, who <gasps> oh, is yeah, just brilliant. You could, you could go see. Everybody can go see it right now. Get a day pass. Get on there for free. ADA go, is how you spell a- her name. ADA, just like Ada, Michigan, and Gates, G-A-T-E-S, and she's just very, she's the first licensed ferry, for those who didn't hear her episode before, to the uh, commercial racetracks in the United States. First licensed woman farrier, sorry, woman, did I say that part? Woman farrier, back in the 70s, I believe, and her husband, Harry Patton, was dad's farrier until he died, as she says, darn him, and he, he um, had imparted all this to her. She was actually actually a back Easter, uh, she a horse lover, but you know, she just fell in love with this guy and then just decided to take up Ferrari too. And she just became brilliant at it. She's well-educated and now she owns the Harry Patton business for all these years later. Uh, but she, she's also, she's like dad in it, that she never stops learning. I just love her for that. She's just, she loves life and she just loves learning and she will do for horses what Ever it takes to be fair to them, and and uh, you know if they if they do have a job that takes shoes, she'll put shoes on them if that's ultimately what they need to make them more comfortable. But she likes to see that foot grow and become stronger on its own, and let that frog be a little. She calls it five hearts in a horse, you know, a four on the feet. So yeah, they they yeah. pump those those poor legs just don't have a lot of circulation in them. So she likes to keep that touch there. And I love how she. Um, so many people are shoe a horse or don't shoe a horse. They're very um, polarized. Mm-hmm. And I don't yeah. want to have shoes on my horse. He's, he mostly vacations. And yeah. it's like, well, you know, if he doesn't need them, I'm not going to put him on because he mostly yeah. vacations. But she embraces the fact that, you know, some horses in some jobs, yeah. they do need the shoe and it's a benefit. Yeah. But that doesn't exactly. mean you don't balance the foot first. Yeah. Or a boot, like you suggested too. You know, if you can use a boot, I mean, if they're thoroughbreds, they haven't figured out how to keep those boots on a horse going 40 miles an hour. No, they haven't. No. (laughs) (laughs) But if they do, you know, it's, it's like that. Um, you know, you just take, you take it case by case, job by job, horse by horse. Yeah. It's it's fabulous. And I would encourage everybody, if you're like me and you don't, you don't have a math chip, don't let all the math scare you. Yes. Exactly. They it, do it for you. It, yeah. Oh, and I should put a plug in too. We don't come out with too many new DVDs because we put most of our lessons uh, up on the Equus Online University, oh, so but easy. So we easy. just came out with um, a DVD for those of us who still have DVD players. <laughs> you can put um, it in your computer and play them on your computer. Even that's kind of going away, but we, you know, we get enough requests for it. We made preparing your horse for the farrier. So standing still for the farrier is the title of this. And it's really about a rescue horse that wouldn't, you know, who's been, he's been a little beat up by some farriers and the poor guy just isn't, you know, he's in, uh, preservation uh, mode, yes, you know, yes, and yes. he's just doesn't want to stand still for the fairy. So we, we put out this DVD. that's really good that's on great idea. help, you know, and because it's fair to farriers, you know, if poor sure. farrier comes there and he's, he's got a horse to deal with and train as well as to right. do something with his feet. Well, and that's and, not Yeah. Fair. And it's fairer to your horse because your farrier really cannot do his best work if he's yeah. chasing around a moving target <laughs> exactly, or trying to keep from getting killed. 
right? Or, yeah, it's not fair to anybody. Sure, yeah. so that makes perfect sense. It's a that's a great idea to do that DVD because your farrier will appreciate it. Your horse is going to get a better. He's going to get more benefit from the farrier's work. Yeah, <gasps> and there's a, there's a lot of people that are rescuing horses these days and everything too. So it's not that they've created a, a monster on their own. You know, there's just a lot of horses that are. In, you've all seen the rescues, right? With the mm-hmm, sure. feet that look like elf shoes, and yeah. and uh, you know, and how's the farrier going to start with that? You need to start something to build a foundation into that too. So all you working in horse rescues, all of you working with, uh, you know, you're you got just situations where you get these horses that are really needing some uh, some confidence around a farrier. That's it. You know, they can smell the shops. They can they can see tools coming too. Oh, sure. once oh they've yeah, had yeah. Some negative experiences. Absolutely. Oh, Scooter goes crazy when the farrier shows up because, of course, the farrier smells like every hoof in the county. See, there you go. <laughs> His eyes get giant. And he snorts and oh yeah. It's yeah. it's quite a show. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, good. I need hey, to watch that DVD. You, you should take a video for us. <laughs> yes, I should. I should take Might a video. Might be your next viral video. <laughs> That's a good idea. <gasps> well, let's get oh into the gosh. show today. We've got, you know, these iconic um, so guests for uh, with us today, Jen. Always good talking to you about Nigelo. Yeah, it's so exciting. I want to tune into these. Glenn uh, recorded these with you. So you may yes. hear Glenn's chuckle or... <laughs> or, uh, contribution in the background somewhere. So I'm going to hear these for the first time. So uh, right. let's have at it right after this from IFA.com. Hi, I'm Mark Hebner, president of Index Fund Advisors and proud owner of Monty Roberts Willing Partners graduate. He's a sugar bear. <laughs> you know, investment portfolios are a lot like horses. You need to find one that best suits you, your temperament and your stage of life. Some people might like an energetic horse and an aggressive investment portfolio, while others are more comfortable with a gentle ride and a more conservative investment portfolio. The trick is to find the one that's right for you. That's what Index Fund Advisors is all about, matching people with portfolios, risk-appropriate, low-cost, and globally diversified investment portfolios. You can find the right portfolio for you by taking the Risk Capacity Survey at ifa.com, that's IFA as an index fund advisors, or you can call us toll free at 888-643-3133. That's 888-643-3133. Boyd Martin is a U.S. eventing team member, the top U.S. finisher at two World Equestrian Games, and a member of the 2012 and 2016 U.S. Olympic teams. Welcome, Boyd Martin, three-day inventor and a Brooke ambassador. Hi, thank you, Debbie. It's good to be on your show. Oh, well, thank you for being on Horsemanship Radio. So you began mm-hmm. three-day eventing in Australia, and uh, I've always been curious to ask you, did Philip Dutton convince you to come here, or did you kind of seek his approval out, and, and you came here on your own decision? No, no, funny enough, I, I obviously, as a young boy growing up in Australia, I, I knew who Philip Dutton was. He was one of Australia's greatest three-day event riders, and he lived here in America, and uh, I was over the other side of the world learning my craft, and... Um, you know, in about 2006, I decided to take the plunge and fly a horse over here to compete at Kentucky. And uh, obviously, being an Australian, I wanted to uh, base at a fellow Australian's facility here in Pennsylvania. So uh, a friend of a friend 
uh, got me in touch with Philip and got in contact with him. And yeah, I basically shook hands with him and, and met him for the first time when when I set foot in America. And uh, yeah, it was one of those moments where I didn't realise it at the time, but the you know the the rest of my life changed dramatically once we linked up. Yeah, it sure has. And what a what a bonus for the American teams. I know that's true, but really. Um, I imagine that he's taken you further and farther and made the world better for three-day eventing through you. Am I right? Yeah, I mean, he's been a, a, an interesting, uh, you know, person. You know, he's a bit of a father figure to start with, or basically he was my boss. I was a working student for him and and his assistant for three or four years. And, you know, and uh, we, we basically have been on every, every U.S. team I've been on, he's been on, and... Uh, He's, I've been very, very fortunate to to know him just because he's definitely uh, been a great mentor and pointed me in the right directions and given me a good half halt when I was getting a bit big for my boots. And uh, yeah, very, very lucky and fortunate to uh, to link up with Philip. That's great. And uh, and how do you choose your horses, boy? That it, it uh, lends to that since I know that you've ridden OTTBs in three day eventing and. Uh, uh, you know, there isn't really a, a written rule about choosing horses for, for three-day eventing since they seem to come from cross-breeds um, or across yeah. the breeds. Yeah. How do you choose? Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's changing, you know, just to start with um, growing up in, in my early days of America, I was on a, a pretty tight budget. So uh, the majority of the horses were failed race horses that looked like they had some sort of jumping ability or, or dressage ability and um you know as the years have gone on and i've um had a bit of success it's it's changed considerably where now i'm sort of a, a little bit more able to hand pick um horses you know throughout america and, and you know lately throughout the world which is luxurious actually because um you know i've got a slightly slightly bigger budget to to pick a horse that's um a little bit more developed than what I used to get my hands on, and uh, it's still, uh, you know, they come from all all parts of uh, the world, and they come in all shapes and sizes and all breeds, and yeah, it's a, it's a tricky tricky thing picking a top event horse because they've got to have so many different attributes. You know, they've got to the dressage and then the show jumping and the galloping for the cross country and the soundness and the you know, the biggest thing is their their mind, their character. You know, a horse that's sort of willing to want to work and and uh, learn is 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 obviously very very valuable. So it's yeah, it's a it's a very very tricky tough um, sort of process. But I'm slowly getting a bit better at it. So. Mm, yeah, well, I'm glad you're able to choose from more now. That is always more fun. Do you feel like their start in life? Uh, does affect too or are you just looking for that mindset on the day that you get them yeah absolutely I mean the, you know I really like getting young horses um, two three and four year olds just because they're the chances of them have been traumatized or wrecked early on uh, is less and uh, sometimes when you buy a you know an older horse that's been trained you you're actually buying someone else's training you know, and if if someone's fast tracked a part of their training or taken a few shortcuts, you you might not see it straight away, but it shows up um, eventually. Usually after you've paid for them. So, yeah. Um, yeah. 
the part where you've got a the horse, you know, the the movement and the potential and it's as as a physical specimen and then the other part is the the training and the work that someone previously has put in, you know, and that's a you can have the best horse in the world and, and it can be completely wrecked by someone that's done the wrong nice. you know, gone the wrong way about it or, or vice versa. You can hopefully retrain them a bit and get them going or or hopefully the person before you has done a good job and, and you can hit the ground running when you get the horse. So it's uh, yeah, each each one's uh, definitely a different uh, different sort of journey and a different process. So it's um, yeah, it's interesting. What did you see in Blackfoot Mystery? Was that one that you could handpick? Yeah, I mean it's one of those horses that it's just a statue of a horse. You know, like when you you just see it standing there on the crossed eyes it just looks like a a statue you know like that you see at the kentucky horse park or <laughs> churchill downs or something and so instantaneously you're very much drawn to the horse you know you fall in love at first sight and um you know and then when you ride him he's just got this um uh confidence about him you know like he you just feel like when you're on top of him that he can do anything and um, and then whenever you ask him to do something, he's he's uh, he. It's like he's done it the day before. Mm. So uh, even when it's something new, and I think that's a uh, you know he's definitely um, on the same thought process as uh, the pilot on top. And when you've got a couple of things like that, you really the sky's the limit. Mm, you sound like good partners, both of you. So you're mm. a fearless rider. I mean, I don't think there's everybody in three day eventing to me is fearless, but you, they put you at the top of the fearless rider. You just, <laughs> you just do, you do the impossible sometimes, even injured. But, um, and, but you have a great sense of humor. You're not uh, brooding. You're not worried about things. You're, you're just out there. It, is that sort of how you distract yourself a little bit? Or is that just like every other Aussie I've ever met is hilarious? <laughs> Well, I mean, I, I'm not fearless. I, uh, I definitely have. Uh, I'm uh, probably, uh, yeah, most scared of uh, failing, probably. But um, and yeah, I mean, I'm I gave up worrying a long, long time ago. I think, um, you know, worrying about things out of your control, it really does you no good except keep you awake all night. And uh, so I. Uh, you know, sort of uh, tried to not worry about anything that I c couldn't control from an early, early start. And, uh, you know, like anyone that trains horses as a, as a professional, there's absolutely nothing to complain about, in my opinion. Like the, uh, the, uh, you know, being in the great outdoors and training horses for a job and someone's willing to pay for it, pay you for it is, uh, like you've got nothing to, uh, Nothing to uh, complain about whatsoever in my in my uh, in my book. Good work if you can get it. That's right. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great. Good. It's a good attitude to have, and, and uh, I, I think probably you're contagious, and I think people around you find that to be true. So, t tell me about Brooke USA. You're an ambassador now. I think you've certainly been around um, helping the Brooke. I've seen you have been at. Uh, I think it was at the Kentucky Horse Park. You did a booth there and you signed things. Mm -hmm. Why Why are you involved in Brook USA? It's an animal welfare charity, we should say. Yeah. I mean, um, to be honest, I was uh, approached earlier this year. I, I was competing down in um, Palm Beach, Wellington, and 
and they they came to me and asked me if I'd like to be involved and uh, obviously I knew of the organisation and I, I thought it was actually a, a big honour to uh, to be an ambassador or to represent them. It was um, I was a bit taken away to be honest. Um, so yeah, I thought about it for about one second and and said absolutely yes and. Um, yeah, I think it's a, a great, great group. And, um, you know, if you think about the people that are interested in our sport or people that support our career or uh, horse sports, obviously, are, are connected with this as well. So it, it made only sense to to uh, give back a little bit and uh, and represent them. That's nice. And are you eventually going to take one of those trips? I know um, my dad, Monty Roberts, as a... Brooke Ambassador ended up going to India, and I think eventually, I think uh, actually Charlotte Dujardin has gone to Egypt uh-huh. now too. So I know your Olympic that Olympic schedule got in the way, which is is fine. That's totally a, a good excuse. But um, will it, you eventually like to see those parts of the world that they oh, work in? Absolutely. I mean, I think uh, the um, it's amazing where horses can take you in life, and uh, yeah, wouldn't that be cool? Yeah, good. Uh, tell us, just to, to finish up, a little bit about Rio, since um, it's a very exotic locale and it must have been quite an experience. Yeah, it was an interesting one, actually. It was, uh, um, you know, whenever you get asked to represent your country, it's a huge, huge honour. And, um, and uh, yeah, to go to Brazil, to Rio with with the team was was fantastic. It was a it was an unbelievable event. You know, it was a, to stay in the Olympic Village. You know, alongside athletes from all over the world was very very inspiring. You know, and uh, you know every day you're just sort of looking around at other people of similar age and thinking, wow, well, somewhere somehow their path ended up here as well. And uh, the uh, the competition at Rio was unbelievable it was um one of the toughest cross-country courses i've ever ridden and i was so thankful that i was on a um on a, an american thoroughbred because it was a, a long tough course and uh, i needed every ounce of energy from my my horse and he i was i was just so impressed how hard he tried the whole way around the course and to finish the, the course clear for the country was uh, a very memorable, satisfying, um, special moment, you know, and uh, it was just awesome to be there and be part of it. That's great. Well, thank you for being part of our U.S. Olympic eventing team, and thank you for being a, an ambassador for those um, mm. animals, those working equids, I think they call them, around the world and uh, part yeah. of their charity. And uh, Merry Christmas to you, and thank you for being a part of our show. Fantastic. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. All right. We'll have you back, and we'll put Monty and you together sometime. That'll be fun. Perfect. Ambassadors together. Perfect. All right, boy, thank you for being on Horsemanship Radio. Um, we're really excited because Sean's Omega Fields company has done something amazing for one of our test horses. His name is Cadillac, and we felt so strongly about it that um, we definitely wanted to bring him on as a sponsor of Horsemanship Radio. And we wanted you to know that it came in that 
um, order first is that we were so impressed with this product and with this horse's results that we wanted to have him a part of our, um, our monthly shows. What is it about the Omega Fields product? Something's different. Omega Fields uh, was built around a really um, unique and proprietary technology. Flaxseed has been known for a long time to contain rich source of omega-3 fatty acids along with omega-6 and omega-9 fatty acids in, in a near-perfect balance. But historically, there was a problem using it. It's high in fat, and when it was uh, milled into a feed product or a food product, it, it would go rancid very quickly. So our company had developed a proprietary technology for stabilizing this high-fat flaxseed to make it usable, uh, give it a long shelf life in a natural uh, environment. We don't use any chemicals or additives to mm-hmm. extend the shelf life or anything like that. It's a completely natural process. That's what makes our flax really different. Um, it makes it usable. It makes it nutritious over a long period of time. We guarantee an 18-month shelf life, so consumers can use it with confidence without it going rancid that you know would potentially harm the horse. So quality of manufacture, every single thing in that uh, product, Omega Horse Shine, is food grade. It's made at a food grade facility with great care of product quality. Uh, the stabilization technology makes that omega-3 uh, nutrition, nutritional value locked in and usable for a long period of time. So proof is in the pudding, so to speak, that it, it really works. You'll see dramatic results in a fairly short period of time. As a child, Debbie made her debut in the show jumping ring but moved to the sport of dressage where she rose to the top. As a World Cup finals champion and Olympic medalist through her partnership with the brilliant mayor, Brentina. Now, the international writer known as the First Lady of American Dressage, Debbie McDonald, is the U.S. Equestrian Federation's developing dressage coach, a role designed to identify and cultivate future U.S. dressage stars. Welcome, Debbie McDonald. Thank you so much. It's great to be back. Good to have you because I've always wanted to ask questions of greats like you. I mean, you're the first lady of American dressage and and you've talked about your roots publicly before that like when you were 14 years old, um, you saw the mis- mistreatment of horses firsthand. And, and we know that anybody who's not, you know, 30 anymore, anybody who's um, more like a child of the mid-centuries has seen some of this mistreatment of horses. You're around horses long enough, um, you get a little bit of that, but um, it, this one was personal for you and your horse Flanagan. I, I'm wondering why you didn't toss horse the horse industry away. Why did you stick with it? And what was the passion for Flanagan that kept you uh, wanting to love horses? I just think that, um, I think they're just wonderful animals. I mean, they give you, they give you your, their heart and soul. Um, People can misread them and think they're naughty, but I, I honestly believe there's no horse that goes out there to misbehave. I think it's all created by human. And, um, I, I felt that way before I was even educated. It's mm-hmm. just something I see when I look into a horse's eye. Yeah. Yeah. Now when you, when you saw Flanagan and you were able to save him, I understand that you actually ended up meeting your future husband through this whole. Mishap. That's correct. <laughs> is that right? That is one. That is correct. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> Hard to say that when you say you were 14 and 
uh, um, somebody that was like 21 offered <laughs> to have you come in the bar. And I think in today's world, people would say that's a little weird. <laughs> oh, I'm sure but, you grew you know, together. Mm-hmm. It was, it was absolutely, you know, he was married himself at the time and he just saw, you know, he has the same passion that I do with the animals and horses. And he knew that I was incredibly distraught and was not going to go back in that barn with this pony and he happened to have an empty stall so (laughs) there was never even a you know question in his mind what he was going to do about it yeah and you started off show jumping and then eventually got into dressage and um what was that transition like I guess a lot of kids love the speed and love the the show jumping thrill how did you move from show jumping to to dressage we're glad you did by the way well I well, me too. I, I, I love both of them, I must say, but, um, I do, I am, I did make the right choice in my life. I think, um, I, I loved show jumping forever and, um, I had become a new mother and I was at a horse show again at Del Mar. Mm-hmm. Um, but I say that because we did a lot of shows at Del Mar and, I was riding a young green horse and as she was starting to take off the ground, uh, the water truck went on Mm -hmm. and she put her leg down quickly and straddled the rail, Mm -hmm. which flipped me over. And I broke um, a couple vertebrae in my neck, some ribs and punctured a spleen and lots of other things. Mm -hmm. And I recovered from that and I just didn't have a clue how much motherhood can change you Mm. because all of a sudden I was riding and I was riding and I needed to be there for someone. Mm -hmm. And I had never had that feeling before. Like if something happens to me, who's going to be the mother of my child. Mm. And it really changed the way I rode. And I started riding very defensively. And then I knew I was going to have another wreck. It was just a matter of time. Mm. And it was just a fortunate situation that you know, my husband, Bob, decided that he knew dressage was getting big. Mrs. Thomas in those days was riding a little dressage. And so it was like a kind of, it just happened. And so I'm really fortunate that all those pieces came into place. Yeah. Yeah. I'm fortunate for us too, because you're, you're at such a um, mentally high level way ahead of really here you are five feet, nothing, right? You're a tiny little thing. And yet you towered in the industry and uh, become a mentor now. And, and uh, so many good things have come out of that. Uh, How, how were the Thomases uh, influential in your life? You mentioned the Thomases. Um, Well, I could get a little emotional on this because Perry passed away in August, in August, but he was 95. He had a great life. Um, I would say that they are the reason I am who I am as far as the the chances I've been given in my life and what I've been able to give back because of what I've learned. Mm. And, um, I just, you know, they, the, the family has been, very generous and amazing to not just myself, but then when I retired, took on Adrian and, you know, they've given so they touch, he touched and they both, the whole family touched so many lives that every time they touched a life, something good and happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just, you know, he was a mentor to me. I mean, I, I hope that I can 
be everything that he was in a way. Um, you know, can't financially help people like he helped me, but maybe in other ways I can give back. Mentor people. Yeah. You're paying it forward through your mentorship, which has been great. So how, how are we looking for the American dressage world? I, I, I can't believe the, the changes in the, at such a high level that pe- that the competitors are at these days. It really has. Even since I've retired, the sport has changed dramatically. Um, there's no doubt that the way they want horses to move now and, and uh, what they're expecting of them is, has really stepped up and mm-hmm. it's not, it's not easy to find those horses. And um, certainly it takes a lot of patience and time to train them up. It does. It's, I'm, I'm always amazed that um, seven or eight, you're just starting to hit your stride in a dressage, big old warm blood. But it makes sense when you see the, the, the instrument that you're working with, both human and horse. I love this word that we're hearing in dressage more and more called harmony. Tell us a little bit about the judges and what they're looking for for that. Well, for me, that's I mean, that was something that I could sell because um, I was not, like you said, I'm five foot. So I'm not somebody that can overpower a horse and make it manufacture movement. Um, That's just, you know, it's not going to happen. So what I, what I always have believed in and, and still will never waver from is that harmony has to be one of the things that, that draws people to this sport. Because nothing is more beautiful to watch than two people dancing together or a horse and a rider dancing together. Exactly. And when it's done well, you know it. Mm -hmm. And that's how I think the judges Mm -hmm. do. Yeah. And I do think that the judges, there was a time, I will say, um, that I was getting concerned. They were losing sight of harmony and going Mm -hmm. just for manufactured movement. But I do feel very strongly a especially after this last Olympics, that they really, really want the harmony back. So they're judging for the harmony over the manufacturing. Good. Well, at least it it proved to to hold true for us. I mean, the horses still, they have to perform. They have to have good movement and all those pieces have to fall into place. Mm -hmm. But if you took two by side by side and there was one that was being more or less manufactured and one that was not, it seemed to fall in suit that the horse and rider with the, with the harmony was rewarded. Mm -hmm. That's great. You know, um, Monty Roberts dad has said the same thing about the reigning world that he's seen such a shift, um, you know, he was a child of the 50s and 60s and performing at the high levels in the reigning world in those eras. And he said his best horse, who would win a world champion back then, wouldn't even come. He wouldn't be in the top 100 um, today yeah. because of because of the not only the athleticism and everything else we've we worked on. But um, do you feel like there's some I don't know if you get into the reigning world at all, but I've seen some of these um, like at Las Vegas, they've done the dress, the dressage and reigning kind of co-productions yes. too. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. And I totally agree. I would say that uh, Brentina in today's world would be still a good horse, but she oh, yeah. certainly would not be what we accomplished in our time. 
Okay. Now that's hard for me to believe. Uh, people will have to go back and um, Google or YouTube Brentina <laughs> and you doing the Motown medley. Uh, I think that was well, 2005. That was a oh, <laughs> yes. Debbie, that is, I, I got goosebumps just even thinking about it. Oh, Two, 2005 God, World Cup. So, oh, yeah. yeah, you're right. It was a very, very special. And again, in the Thomas Macarena. So there were many thing, reasons that was a very special ride. I don't think she knew that, though. That was you and her. That well, was you and well, her. Well, yeah, it was. <laughs> and she liked that sassy woman stuff anyway. Oh, it was so good. <laughs> and the, yeah, that was the first time the World Cup was held in the United States. So you did us so proud. And um, what she's retired in 2009, I think. Uh, yep. And yeah. she turns uh, 27 next year. <gasps> Debbie, you still have her. That is awesome. I do. I I did move her to Santa Barbara because the the conditions. I used to take her everywhere with me, back and forth to California when we used to go to California. But the trip, eighteen hours, was getting harder for her. Mm-hmm. And she's had two colic surgeries. Mm-hmm. That was after she's retired. And, right. You know, we know we're not going to do heroics at this age. But I found the most amazing barn, and she has her. On a clear day, her pasture has an ocean view. <laughs> so, I mean, I, you know, these people care for, I would say, if anybody knows her as well as I do, I would have to say they do. Oh, my gosh. And it's just, it's just, it's been amazing. I, I don't worry one moment about her that they're going to even make a bad call or a decision. Mm-hmm. That's great. And, and you still visit? Yeah. Right. You I just I just did before I came here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and we live not too far. Me. Oh, she, of course she does, Debbie. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Are you kidding me? Do you have a favorite? Do you have a barn name for her? What do you call her? Her her nickname has always been Mama. Mama. Oh, you're a good mama. You are a good mama, Debbie McDonald. <laughs> She's a Thank- good- <laughs> yeah, I, I thank you for sharing some of those special stories too. You're, you're a special lady, and your horses are. Yeah, and I and I think people should um, should go Google that and see what what America is able to do with their team. Very proud of all the things you've done, and thank you again for well, joining you. us and sharing on Horsemanship Radio. Whisper the language of the herd. Listen, you don't have to say a word. It's time for Jamie Jennings to fetch an email from Monty Roberts' inbox and share a morsel of Monty's wisdom in a little segment we like to call Ask Monty. Leave this world a better place and learn the magic in the language of the herd. Dear Monty, my horse bobs his head when I ask him to tuck or collect his stride. Can you explain this? Monty's answer. Virtually every time a horse misbehaves from the standpoint of head carriage, it is caused by the rider's hands. Whether we realize it or not, horses can only react to our signals. They just don't act without cause. I suggest the following mouthing procedure be employed. I have found the use of side reins to be the most effective treatment for the behavior you describe. Attach a pair of elastic and leather side reins to a surcingle and allow the horse to toss his head, simply meeting the side reins and stretching the elastics. Normally, horses will stop the head tossing after four or five sessions following these recommendations. 
I have used this method of mouthing a horse for now well over 50 years and have found it to be the most effective. One should be mindful of the need to gradually tighten the side reins so that slightly more pressure is applied as you work through these exercises. It is helpful for one to long line while the side reins are in place, as this action more closely approximates the act of riding the horse. If this causes the head bobbing described, that's wonderful as it allows the horse to learn while activating the elastics in the side reins. It is important to be patient and make changes very gradually. A change made too abruptly can cause the horse to fight the side reins and might even result in it falling over. Err on the side of caution, but once you have cooperation, then it is fine to increase the tension. For more of these insights into good horsemanship, go to www.montyroberts.com and click on the orange banner that says, Get Free Horse Tips. Hi, I'm Monty Roberts, and I'm dedicated to training horses without pain. You can learn to do it too on my Equus Online University. Western English, the beginner, or the advanced rider. It doesn't matter. You can connect with other students online, too, on our forum. And there's a new lesson every week. It's a lifetime of learning for you on my Equus Online University at MontyRoberts.com. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Where in the world is Monty Roberts? Monty is looking forward to meeting some new friends, two-legged and four-legged, in Brazil and England in March and then in Germany in April. And so ticket information will be available soon on all of that. And then in July, he has again his Gentling Wild Horses course. This is a third annual now, the one that Jamie Jennings went to on the first annual. And then he has um, on August and July, so it, it runs from July 31st over to August 4th, the Monty Special Training. And we're going to have people from all over the world at that one. You guys have the most diverse group of uh, students there. It's just incredible. Yeah, it really is Mecca. Yeah, people come from all over. All over the place. Well, if you couldn't remember all that, you can go to the website, MontyRoberts.com, and it's all right there. Or you can give them a call over there at Flag is Up Farm and talk to a real-life helpful human being at 805-688-6288. And for details about today's show, including links, photos, and more information about our guests, you can go to horsemanshipradio.com. And we love your feedback. That's what gives us ideas for the show and makes it so cool. So you can follow Monty Roberts on Facebook. Just type in Monty Roberts. Or you can follow him on Twitter for you folks who like to live your life in 150 characters or less. Less. (laughs) Or less. Just go to Monty underscore Roberts, and that's where he's at. And you can get the app. Never miss an episode. It's good for your iPhone or Android. Go to your app store and search for Horse Radio Network today. It's quick, it's free, and it's easy. That's right. Many thanks to our sponsors, too. IFA.com, Omega Fields, and Monty Roberts University. And be sure to visit the other great shows, too, on the Horse Radio Network at www.horseradionetwork.com. Until next time, have many happy horse hours. (laughs) 